0: Hi Coyotes fans and welcome to the Locked On Coyotes podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Richard Moore. And thank you so much for joining me here on my maiden voyage on the Locked On Coyotes podcast. Uh, I'm going to be taking over this podcast here. We're going to be bringing you guys this uh, this show daily, Monday through Friday, uh, as or as close to it as we can get here. Uh, basically bringing you guys your daily commute. Uh, of Coyotes coverage and your daily deliverance of basically everything you could ever want to know, Uh, all of your commentary, expertise, and of course, interviews with players, coaches, and front office personnel as well. As I said, I am Richard Morin. Uh, Some of you may already know me. I am the Coyotes beat writer for the Arizona Republic, uh, AZ Central Sports, part of the USA Today Network. Uh, That is still my main gig, so uh, you can always find my content over there, sports.azcentral.com. But this is something a little bit different we're going to be bringing you guys. Uh, gonna be bringing you this podcast daily to talk all things coyotes with you guys and, and sort of keep you guys abreast to everything that's going on and and uh, well I, really what I want to do is talk about what you guys want to talk about I want it to be um, I want most episodes to be sort of an open forum I want you guys to to let me know what's on your mind and, and let me know uh, what we can what we can talk about what you want to hear discussed um, and everything like that so today is uh, what is today oh my goodness it is Monday. January thirteenth, 2020, uh, the Coyotes lost 4-3 to the Pittsburgh Penguins on Sunday at Gila River Arena, a game the Coyotes probably should have won. They had a, a 3-2 lead after uh, Nicholas Yalmerson, in his return to the lineup, found Derek Stepan in front of Tristan Yari. Uh, and uh, Stepan was able to put one past him for the go-ahead goal, but Brandon Tanev uh, put the Penguins uh, back in the game. It was 3-3, to uh, and n- neither team scored in overtime. It was a very lengthy shootout that the Penguins ultimately won, uh, and the Penguins picking up a 4-3 win, picking up both points in that game. And it- it's still a big point for the Coyotes. The Penguins are a very, very good team. They're certainly a surging team, and uh, the Coyotes now have three games left Uh, before the lengthy all-star break and all three of those games are big the San Jose game they play the San Jose Sharks tomorrow uh, on Tuesday at Gila River Arena that'll be a pretty big game but really it's the two games that come after that and it's the road trip the Coyotes will be facing the Vancouver Canucks for the first time this season and then they will be playing the Edmonton Oilers and right now only two points separate the top five teams in the Pacific Division that is more than half. Of the Pacific Division. So, more than an eighth of the NHL and two points are separating the top five teams uh, in the standings in that division. So, it is a very, very close race. I think it's going to be uh, a very fun uh, couple of months to. Um, to be following the coyotes and to be following the NHL and the Pacific division, uh, race. So, uh, the coyotes have some big games coming up They're They're certainly going to need to, uh, going to need to, uh, step it up a little bit. And I think the power play is, has gone a little bit cold and we're going to get to all of those things. Um, uh, eventually in the show, I'm kind of jumping around here just to start to give you sort of an idea of, 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 where the coyotes are, uh, at this point in the season and, and, uh, and, and some of the things that, that they're going to do, I think jumping in and, and kind of hosting this podcast mid season, Season is going to is going to be a, a little tricky. I want to kind of bring you guys up to speed. A uh, uh, sort of if you haven't been following the Coyotes, uh, I want I want to bring those those people up to speed as to maybe what they might have missed so far in the Coyote season. So obviously the highlight of the season, Coyotes trading. For uh, superstar winger Taylor Hall early in December, I know that's what the last episode of this podcast focused on with the previous host. So uh, I, it's basically everything after that is what I'm going to be getting to. I think Taylor Hall has been very, very good since joining the Coyotes. He has certainly found a home on that top line. Alongside Connor Garland and Christian Dvorak, that line has been very, very good. I thought Taylor Hall was phenomenal on Sunday against the Penguins, I that Connor Garland was also very good. Uh, somehow, still leading this team in goals with 15 on the season. It just—he is such an interesting case because when he came in last December, I don't think anybody was expecting really anything more than than Connor Garland just being. A depth piece to this team and he has just shown time and time again he is so much more than that and and Rick Tockett has finally rewarded him with those top line minutes and and Connor Garland has absolutely flourished uh with that opportunity so I think that has gone a long way and I also think it's really helped Taylor Hall uh you know giving giving Taylor a a goal scorer or uh, at the least uh, a player in Connor Garland who just likes to find creative ways to go to the net likes to find creative ways to score goals and, and put the puck on the goaltender. And that's what Connor does. Uh, and not that Taylor Hall doesn't shoot. He certainly he certainly has shown he has a, a phenomenal shot, but but Taylor is an elite playmaker. He is so creative. And I think that's what you've seen uh, so far this season is those two have worked in tandem together. And then Christian Dvorak, I think, with uh, his face-off skills and 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 really solid 200 foot play has, has really just allowed the two of those guys to, um, you know, kind of go back and forth. And I think it allows Taylor to be as creative as possible because Christian has been so solid in the defensive end. I think the one thing for me is I, I feel like I'm still waiting for the Coyotes to go on a big run here. Uh, it's been a little surprising that they haven't, especially, you know, it's like, uh, it sort of felt like they were about to after the, the, the Flyers game, uh, when was that? The Flyers game on January 4th. They they had won four in a row at that point. And it sort of felt like when you saw Arizona putting up all those all those goals to to end that homestand that, okay, this is the run. This is going to be the Coyotes' run. This is where they're going to really cement themselves as playoff contenders. And it just really didn't happen for them. And, and I think what, what it really was was Ante Ranta goes down with injury. Now you're without Darcy Kemper. You're without Auntie Ranta. And you've won four straight. You go on the road. And uh, three really tough teams on the road in Florida, Tampa Bay, and Carolina. You win one of those games in Florida. thought Aiden Hill had a really nice game. But then it was Tampa and Carolina where uh, it just – was not able to to replicate that success and uh the loss of both ronta and kepper i think is really looming large right now thought aiden hill had a pretty good game on sunday uh against the penguins but at the end of the day he wasn't great either the the patrick hornfist goal was certainly a goal that he wants back i know it was on the power play and i think I got, I got a tweet last night. i'm gonna pull it up so i can show you guys this tweet i just i just feel like it's it, this is just not the play. This is just not the opinion you should be having. So my tweet from last night, uh, Hill made some big saves, but let's not forget that Hornqvist goal. He hasn't been perfect. To which someone r- responded to me, it's not Hill's fault they were shorthanded. Well, obviously not, but just because your team is shorthanded, that doesn't mean you can just let in every shot that you can make. And I tweeted back, you still have to make routine saves when the, when the team is shorthanded. And that was a routine save. But... In all due respect, I think Aiden Hill played a pretty good game. He made some really big saves when the Coyotes needed it. He was very good in the shootout, uh, very good in the third period. But I think even after the game, we were in the the Coyotes' locker room after uh, Sunday's game, and and I think it was um, Derek Stepan who told us that Aiden Hill came in during the second intermission said hey guys my bad on the second goal which was incidentally the Hornquist goal so certainly a goal that Aiden wants back I didn't think he was perfect uh, on Sunday but he made some big saves as well Uh, Darcy Kemper by the way is has been ruled out by Coyotes head coach Rick Tockett to return before the all-star break so these next three games will certainly be without Kemper Antti Ranta right now we're being told is day-to-day with that lower body injury Rick Tockett did confirm that in the game in Carolina he did not suffer a separate lower body injury. He just re-aggravated or uh, was feeling the effects of that initial lower body injury that he was diagnosed with after that Philadelphia Flyers game. So a little bit of, uh, of housekeeping for you guys in the injury department. Speaking of which, Nicholas Yalmerson, of course, returned to the lineup on Sunday. I thought he was fantastic. Uh, both ends of the ice. Uh, a very nice uh, anecdote last night. And, and if his pass to Derek Stepan had stayed as the... Uh, as the game-winning goal, man, that would just have been a, a storybook script, um, and oh man, that would have been just fantastic. We would have loved that, but uh, unfortunately, uh, for us writers uh, trying to come up with <laughs> with the great stories, it it wasn't meant to be. The hockey gods did not have it in their plan. So, uh, but still, Nicholas Yalmerson had a great game, and he was really funny with us with us after the game. And uh, he, there was a couple of really really long shifts that he had to take. He, to, he took one shift that was two minutes and twenty nine seconds, and for a guy. Hadn't played in 39 and uh, in, uh, in, in 43 games. Uh, Nick got a, a bit existential with us after the game. Here was uh, here was what Nick had to say about that. We sit by it in there, and Steph was in a good spot, so he put it back in the net there. You mentioned the long shifts you had to play. You remember that one in particular where it, did, it almost felt like you were on a conditioning stint there? <laughs> yeah, the the, that was uh, the toughest shift I've had in a long time, to be honest. <laughs> I went to a dark place there for a couple of seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Find the light in the end there, so... Uh, yeah, that was uh, that was the longest shift in a long time from But like I said, it, it still just feels like we're waiting for the Coyotes to go on that big run. And and it did feel like they were about to do that at the beginning of the month before Ronta went down, uh, compounding with Kemper's injury as well. So, I don't know, you're just waiting for the Coyotes to do it because now you have all of your skaters are healthy. You don't have a single injured skater. On this team, with the exception of Barrett Hayton, who uh, would would be being used as an extra forward anyway, so I'm not really counting that. But your two injuries are to your goaltenders, and that's just so unfortunate. I mean, you'd much rather have a a, a bottom six forward, you know, and and Ronta you know slash Kemper out then then have both of uh Ronta and Kemper out because I just don't know if Aiden Hill is the guy who is going to be carrying uh, uh this coyotes team uh for the foreseeable future. Uh Kemper I think will probably be ready as we get out of the all-star break. I would imagine that Kemper will be uh returning back to game action. And I just sort of feel like it's impossible to try and figure out what exactly is the issue with Ronta and how long is Ronta going to be out? I just, it's, it's impossible to speculate because of this guy's history. You just, I mean, the jury is out. Who knows? I mean, this guy just can't catch a break. And, and I understand people are going to call him injury-prone. They're going to call him made of glass. And trust me, I, I, I understand why you guys are saying those things. But these players don't want to be injured. Auntie Ronta doesn't want to be sitting in the locker room not playing games. I could tell you from experience, Auntie Ronta wears the result of games harder than any other player I've ever been around after a bad loss in which you know he was part of the reason the, they lost you'll walk into the coyotes locker room and Ronta will be despondent with his head in his hands just catatonic after a game like that and after a win or a shutout perhaps, auntie ranta is jumping for joy he is running around he's all smiles and i mean he's one of the most expansive quotes on the teams i mean you you can't shut this guy up during an interview he just he just goes on and on and on and and, and we love it he gives us tons of great of, of great quotes so uh he is uh he is just one of those guys after the games he really wears wins and losses and uh Guys like that aren't guys who just sit out because, you know, they have a, a, you know, a sore thumb or, you know, their, you know, their ankle is, is a little sore. Like, Auntie Ranta is sitting out because he literally can't play. Uh, That, that much, I, just based on what I know about, uh, about Auntie Ranta, that, seems to me like he is not the kind of guy who's just sitting out because he can he's he's not happy that he's sitting out that is uh very much clear to me and uh all, we can't talk down to Toronto about it we can't talk to darcy kemper about it it's coyotes team policy we're not allowed to or should say we're not allowed to but the uh the coyotes do not make injured players available to the media until they played a full game uh, upon recovering from said injury so um that is the coyotes team policy so we're not permitted to to talk to those uh, injured players. So uh, not really sure. All we have to go on is what uh, Rick Tockett has to say, uh, You know what John Chaika has to say. That's really all we have uh, to go on with, with the injuries. So uh, we're going to take a quick break here on Locked On Coyotes. But uh, right back after this one, we're going to be talking about Taylor Hall and the impact he has made on the Coyotes. So Taylor Hall, Taylor Hall is really an Arizona Coyotes player. It feels so strange still to say that we're—I uh, think we're a little more than a month removed from that from that trade, and it still just feels so strange to have a guy like Taylor Hall uh, in the Coyotes lineup. Unfortunately, it hasn't translated, uh, t- you know, in, in terms of. Uh, consistent offense coyotes had a three game stretch during that winning streak that i mentioned they had a little stretch there they think they scored 15 goals in three games that is a nice stretch of offense but the coyotes have kind of gone quiet they were shut out in two straight they scored just uh you know three goals against against the penguins is not bad but taylor hall was all of the coyotes offense in that game he supplied the pass to garland he scored a goal of his own I mean, he was he was generating chance after chance after chance, and he has just been so dominant lately. But the one area where he seemed to be making his presence known, but it's gone a little bit quiet, is the power play. Coyote's power play has actually slipped down. Now they're now they're back down to the uh, middle of the pack power play. Uh, they were looking really really strong with Taylor Hall, and the power play has just been. R- extremely discombobulated the last few games and not really sure what the reason for that is. I mean, you know, at the next uh, Coyotes practice or or, or morning skin, I'm certainly going to be asking uh, around about this. Coyotes did not practice uh on monday they were off today so uh no practice no availability for for players or coaches here on monday Uh, obviously the game on tuesday and then they're probably going to be heading out on the road uh on wednesday but certainly want to try to get to the bottom of of what's going on with the power play and 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 kind of what's going wrong there and you know taylor hall it seemed like had a profound impact and maybe teams have have adjusted to that maybe teams just adjust that quick now, and, and are able to to sort of read what's going on and to take away uh, Taylor Hall's spot in in that faceoff circle. Uh, not really sure, but it just it just doesn't seem to be uh, flowing the the way it was in, in the offense, which looked to be on fire through that Philly game just seemed to die on the on the Coyotes road trip especially after the Florida game it just seemed to die in Tampa Bay and uh, it, it wasn't very great against the Penguins I understand they scored three goals but uh, they really weren't producing much quality they weren't giving up a whole lot either to be fair but they weren't producing a whole lot of quality offense and it just sort of seemed to me like Taylor Hall and and, and Connor Garland were really the only two guys generating consistent chances that that Keller Schmaltz Soderberg line is been kind of hit or miss for me uh Kraus so uh Kraus Stepan and Kessel have been a, a very good line and uh, generally, they're the first line rolled out uh, during pregame warmups, and and they start quite a few games for the Coyotes. They're sort of a, they're not the first line, but they're kind of like a de facto first line in terms of that's that's one of your more uh, reliable two-way lines, I should say. Um, and then the, the fourth line has kind of been in flux. Michael Grabner has been a healthy scratch for uh, the last several games. He made a reappearance in Carolina, and then was uh, benched again uh, on on Sunday against the Penguins. Just a lot of people asking, you know, is this is this performance? Performance based is this uh, Michael Grabner on the trade block? I do not believe Michael Grabner is on the trade block. I do believe this is performance based. Uh, he has he has not been uh, very sharp in recent games. He didn't even came back uh, against Carol against Carolina, and that's a game where you're coming back. You've sat out four or five straight. Your team is on the second end of a back to back. You need to bring the energy. You are the fresh body. And I thought he was. Uh, not engaged. I did not feel like Michael Grabner was engaged in the Carolina game, doing some of the things that he was doing in the last few games in which he was playing, which was puck watching and and sort of floating around out there. Now, don't get me wrong. Michael Grabner on the penalty kill that's a different michael grabner he looks rejuvenated he looks energized when he's on the penalty kill but for for whatever reason at five on five michael grabner just has not seemed like himself so this is performance based guys this is not michael grabner on the trading block at least i don't believe it to be you know i could be wrong i don't know everything that john chica does but um i do not believe michael grabner's on the trading block i i do believe this is performance based but that fourth line is has been in flux a little bit between Vinny Hinnestroza, brad richardson uh, christian uh, Fisher and of course Michael Grabner just haven't seen a lot of consistency out of that group. Uh, you know Brad Richardson I know has, has been pretty disappointed in his offensive year and uh, Vinny Hinesdros has been hit or miss on on a lot of nights as well as uh, Christian Fisher who's been in and out of the lineup. So they I think the guys need to find a little bit of consistency out of that out of that group and I don't know you just can't have Taylor Hall and uh, and and Connor Garland generating all of your offense on a given night. You need you need to find some other stuff, and, and maybe a, a team like the Sharks who struggles defensively and that struggles in net, maybe that's a team that can kind of get the Coyotes rolling. I mean, it was only the other night where the Coyotes had all four forward lines score an even-strength goal. They had all 12 forwards register a point, and I just haven't seen that team. I haven't seen that offense since that game, and I don't know if it was just Antiranta going down, if, if maybe that team takes the wind out of your sails or or I think what's more likely is it makes the team overcompensate a little bit defensively and maybe they're not creating enough on offense they're spending uh, a little bit too much of their effort protecting their uh, you know inexperienced goaltender and and trying to play tight and and you have to respect that I don't think that's that's necessarily a a a bad idea or or a uh, you know I think that's prudent you know I don't I don't think that's that's necessarily the wrong way to go but i think what you're seeing in the last few games from the coyotes is just an inability to to generate much and I just haven't seen a whole lot of center lane drive. I haven't seen a whole lot of, you know, second and third chances. A lot of the shots are coming from the perimeter lately. And, you know, uh, what I was seeing when when the Coyotes were, were rolling offensively was guys were just going right to the net. Guys were, were generating. They were going back and forth, and they were doing what they needed to do to get dirty and score goals. And it just sort of seems like lately the Coyotes' offense has been a little bit too much on the perimeter. And you know, I think Rick Tockett uh, sort of hinted at that after the game when, when we spoke. To him and he said you know we got to get a guy down the middle we got to get a guy coming in you have to get dirty and you know when you're not scoring goals it's what you have to do and look I understand the Coyotes scored three goals uh last night and and, you know three goals is nothing to scoff at especially against you know Tristan Yari the way he's been playing but the way they were generating was was not great and then that Taylor Hall's goal you know it's a heads-up play you see Tristan Yari stood up in his net and uh, you know, you see the five hole and, and Taylor slips it in there. That's a heads up play by Taylor Hall, but it's a puck that if if Yari was playing the position correctly and and, and if he had closed his five hole, yeah, that shot was not going in. It's not like Taylor roofed it over him. And you know, the Connor Garland goal is an, a nice goal. That's a put back. And uh, but again, the Connor Garland goal and the Derek Stepan goal were both blown coverages by the Penguins. So they were not bad goals on Yari. Yari only had only allowed you know one bad goal, and then the other two I thought were more more products of of the Penguins defense losing a little bit of focus than I thought it was a product of the Coyotes offense so uh, like I said the Coyotes get the churks tomorrow that could be a game that might get them rolling a little bit offensively and and, and you know by goodness they're going to need it when they head up to Vancouver and Edmonton two teams who can put a ton of points on you and, uh, and two teams who are right behind you nipping at your heels in the Pacific Division and you want to go into the all-star break with enough momentum that you, you want to hold the fort here because you want to come out of the all-star break with a healthy Kemper and possibly a healthy Ranta and say okay we 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 held the four, you know, we're tied for first place, or we're in first place, or we're in second place still. We're in a good position. We're out of the all-star break. We're all healthy. You know, obviously things can change in the next three games, but we're all healthy, and and we're we're ready to go take this thing. I think the Coyotes are, we're waiting for them to go on a run, and after the all-star break, if guys are healthy, that is the time where they can go on a run. Let's take a quick look at who they have coming out of the break. On the road against Anaheim, they're in last place in the Pacific. Next day, they're at home against the Kings. Again, they're right there with Anaheim at the bottom. Then you're at home against Chicago, also a last place team. And then you have a couple days before another home. And then you got home games against the the Oilers and the Hurricanes. Those are tough games. But those first three against the Ducks, the Kings, and the Blackhawks, those are games you got to go get. So if you can... Get everybody healthy. If you can hold the fort here before the break, get everybody healthy during the break. Come out, you get three uh, bottom feeding teams. And then you establish the momentum, you get a tough game against Edmonton, a tough game against Carolina, and then you have a really tough East Coast road trip, Boston, Montreal, Toronto. Uh, that's a really tough road trip that ends in, in, in Ottawa. But if you can establish the momentum before that, I feel like that can be the start of the Coyotes' big run this season. That's all the time we have here today on the Locked On Coyotes podcast, part two of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Thank you guys so much for joining me for my first show. Again, we're going to be bringing you this uh, podcast Monday through Friday or as close to it as we can get. You can subscribe to it wherever you get your podcast, Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Megaphone, you name it. Also, uh, sports.azcentral.com. You can listen to the podcast there as well and read all of my Coyotes content uh, as well, uh, the written content and the video content as well if you're interested, guys. All right, thanks so much and uh, take care.